Core, the Athletic Podcast Network. This is the update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Jake Kaplan, who covers the Houston Astros for the Athletic, about the Houston Astros shortstop situation, but primarily because Carlos Correa is going to be a free agent this offseason. And Jake has written a fantastic piece for the Athletic about the shortstop tiers of the free agent shortstops. Maybe some of the Giants could be after when we hit free agency in 2021. However, Brandon Crawford is off to the hottest start he's ever had in his major league career, which raises the question whether or not he'll be back next season. And if he is, what role he plays alongside one of these top-tiered shortstops. All things we can talk about with Jake Kaplan, who joins me next. Today is Monday, May 24th. It is my pleasure to welcome to the podcast Jake Kaplan. He covers the Houston Astros for The Athletic, and uh, and he's also done a great thing. They're doing an MLB tiers thing with The Athletic this season where you guys are, Jake, you guys are sorting through all sorts of different stuff, right? You're going with teams, you're going positions, you're going concessions with food, you're going uniforms. You guys are ranking anything and everything you can rank, right? Anything and everything, yeah. It's something different every Thursday when you check the site. It's just in the, basically a series of MLB tiers, and so last week was ranking caps baseball caps and uh that one was pretty polarizing and and, <laughs> and I, I think people enjoyed it uh by levi weaver and this week uh nick Groke and myself we tiered the the free agent shortstops because although free agency is still months away they are a big story this year all these guys so what we know now, we wanted to kind of put them in tiers and, and slot them up where we saw them. Yeah, six, seven weeks into the season. Good little benchmark here. We're over a quarter of the way. You can kind of look at uh, at who the hot names are going to be. And I, we're going to talk about the free agent class because in San Francisco here, this has been something people have been looking at for, for a while now. They're looking for the next wave of Giants players and, and who the next stars are going to be. And the idea is that with all the money they'll have this offseason, they'll make a splash. Well, I want to talk about that in just a minute. But you cover the Astros, man. It's been a funny job over the last couple of years. And I would imagine specifically this year now, are you traveling? with the team or you're not are you going on the road yet have you experienced the uh the visiting fans getting on the astros in person i haven't yet traveled um i'm hoping too soon you haven't been out there quite yet but uh i think like all of us you've uh you've seen what happens on tv <laughs> or you've heard what's happened on television how have the players received this man how has it been covering the astros this year as a team that well i don't think people thought they would be a bad club they're competitive they're in first place they beat the a's on thursday knocked them out of first for the first time in a month what can you tell us about this team and about some of the guys who have hung around despite the exits of garrett cole and george springer guys who were on the world series team and left yeah no it's been interesting i think it's it's weird because like the fan reception on the road is like the big national media story but like honestly like i don't think it's that been that crazy maybe because these stadiums are not full like, I'm pretty sure the crowds the Astros heard in 2017 ALCS in the Bronx, which is the loudest stadium I've ever been in those three games. I'm pretty sure that was louder than the 20,000 capacity they faced a couple of weeks ago. So, like, I think that's a little bit of like a, I don't want to say media-driven story, but it's a little bit overdone in some ways. Like, I don't think the, the booing has that much of an impact on the actual games. No, that's fair. As far as the, as far as the team, um, they're hitting. <laughs> they hit a lot. They don't strike out very much. They're slugging better than they did last year. They, they've stayed really healthy on the position player side, which has been huge. Their pitching is, is just okay, I would say. They've got some good starters, but their bullpen, it's really just Ryan Presley is the only reliable guy, and they've had trouble kind of getting to him in save situations because there just aren't that many situations for him. So I think they're going to be the best team in the division. I think they're better than the A's. I think they're better than the Angels, but uh, how far they can go, I- I'm not sure. 
Poor Angels, man, just wasting some of the all-time great players, it feels like. Making big splashes and, and never getting to the postseason or winning games. Uh, Jay Kaplan's who we're talking to here. I'm wondering, um, and we can get back into the uh, shortstop tier thing in just a second, but the big story over the last week was the Yermin Mercedes swinging at the, the 3-0 pitch, the home run, and a lot of people looked at Tony LaRusse as an old-school manager who, you know, maybe didn't accept the way the game is being played now. And I think it's kind of, you know, we joked before about the polarizing caps. I think this is a sort of a polarizing thing here where some people believe this is an unwritten rule. You don't do this. Others think it's okay. Did you have an opportunity to talk to Dusty Baker? Did he comment on any of this? I know he's an old-school guy. He was on deck when Hank Aaron hit the uh, the home run to pass the babe. So uh, did he have a thought on this, or, or have, have they experienced with the Astros any old-school, new-school tension since he showed up? Strangely enough, I don't think he was Dusty was asked about it. Which is surprising, especially because um, didn't he play for Larusa at one point? Or well, they played, they know, managed they, against each other a lot. I mean, they managed against each other for yeah. a long time. Cubs and Cardinal. I mean, that was there was he was there, and then of course the Giants for many years with the Reds. They were there in the same division, so they've yeah. known each other, I guess, a long time. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we, you should have asked them. But uh, no, I mean, there are some little old school things. Nothing like that, where it's like telling a guy to not swing or anything like that, but more in like old school lineup construction, yeah. like in spring training, he tested out like Miles Straw as the leadoff hitter for a while. <laughs> and like Miles Straw is like objectively like their eighth or ninth best hitter. He's just really fast and plays center field, right? Like for example, Jose Altuve was off last week. And instead of like resetting the whole lineup, Dusty just like put the utility infielder in the leadoff spot and playing second base instead of like batting him eighth or ninth. So little things like that, that I would consider old school, but Nothing like unwritten rules, like nothing in like the LaRusta category of like just kind of stuff that needs to go away with like the three O stuff, which is such eyewash to me. Yeah, yeah, totally understood. That's good stuff, man. I, I, I'm glad we were able to, to cover that because I do think that there's a, a different line of thinking. But you're right. The Miles Straw thing, that's a funny way to think about it. Old school lineup construction. He's not quite Michael Bourne. You know, he's not quite uh, your, your Kenny Lofton that you put up there who can hit 300 maybe for you at the top of the lineup. Right. Uh, what's great about these shortstop tiers that you guys did or the tier you did this week in your article about the free agent shortstops coming up uh, is that you're covering one of them. Carlos Correa, who's the youngest free agent, I think, shortstop. It's going to be in this group that's viewed as one of the top tier guys. Is it a foregone conclusion that he's walking from Houston? I mean, I think he has said publicly uh, he wouldn't mind testing free agency, uh, but there was not a negotiation heading into the season, was there? There was. It just didn't go very far. They offered him like five and six year deals, and he wants a big fat contract, and he's probably going to get one from someone. They're never really the team that signs these mega deals. It's why you see kind of a big name free agent walk every every off season from the Astros, right? Garrett Cole, Dallas Keuchel, who didn't get a mega deal, but. You know, George Springer, obviously. So I don't know if it's a foregone conclusion per se, but I, I mean, I think the odds are very high that he will be elsewhere. He was a tough one to, to slot into these tiers because if you really look at his last four years, the performance hasn't really been there from an offensive standpoint at an elite level. Some of that's injuries and missed time. Some of it's just not hitting as, from as much power as you might expect. But he is so young, and he's also turned himself into, like, an elite defensive shortstop now that it gives you that nice, like, defensive baseline. Yeah, I would encourage everyone to actually read the story, but we ended up with Corey Seager in the top tier by himself and then Trevor Story and Carlos Correa in kind of uh, the second tier, which in any other year, those guys, either of them would be the top, top guy. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Had Frankie Lindor been in this class, and now we've seen him play a little bit this year, right? Because he's been traded to the Mets. He signs a $340 million deal. And if you're one of these top shortstops, if you're Corey Seager or you're, you know, Trevor Story or Carlos Correa, you're sitting around Javi Baez, you're going, damn, that's, 
That's a nice deal, dude. This could be a nice offseason for me if I put together the numbers. And, and what you're talking about, I think, is, is a real thing where we have not seen the OPS numbers for a couple of seasons, and albeit a, a short in 2020 last year for Carlos Correa. But Corey Seager uh, last year had a, a huge season, was huge in the World Series for the Dodgers. A lot of Giants fans look at him and think maybe he's a guy you pluck away, and it's it's twofold. You hurt the Dodgers in taking him, and also you add him to your lineup, which would be big. He's out right now, and the Dodgers are playing a hot baseball without him. You put him at the top tier by himself. Why is it that he's it's above Trevor Story, above Carlos Correa, above Javi Baez, all alone at the top. Just the offense, uh, mostly, especially from the left side. You know, you're, you're going to have a platoon advantage way more often than not with him. He's just so good offensively, and he's super young as well. He's a l- slightly older than Correa, but not by much. And so I think we went back and forth on whether to have Seager and Story in the top tier or just Seager, and we ended up with Seager for the offense and the age primarily. But, I mean, asking around other people, like around the game, what they thought, some people thought the story was right there in the same tier. Some people had it the way we had it. You could really go either way there. And, and there is, like, obviously, like, a thought that Seager, you know, eventually is going to have to move to third base. So that, you know, kind of changes the calculus, too, because Story's got probably a better chance of sticking at shortstop. Now, looking at the numbers like across the board from what we've seen this year, I think Javi Baez, power-wise and OPS-wise, is ahead of all these guys. And, again, we're, we're not that deep into the season. We haven't even hit – like all-star voting time yet, but I'm looking at, at offensive numbers. Where does Javi Baez rank for you? I know he's in that, is he in that third tier, the second tier for you guys right now? Is that where he sits? We had him alone in a third tier. So under Correa and, and Story and above Marcus Semien and Brandon Crawford. I think just Baez, he's all often lumped in with, with the top three, but he's not, realistically, if you look at the last few years, he's not quite there with, with those those other three guys. He's really, really good, but I just don't think he's as good as those guys. And he also, he's more comparable in age to story. He's not old by any means. And he's, he's probably got the best chance to stay at shortstop, but so much swing and miss in addition to the power. Doesn't walk much. So, you know, you saw last year his numbers were way down. So I think it's just, more of a, you don't, you're not exactly sure if you're going to get the swing and miss with the power on a given day. Yeah, we're talking new school baseball lineups like uh, Javi Baez with the strikeout to walk ratio. I know he's a guy who strikes out like 140, 150. I think at one point he struck out 160 times in a season. Check out these numbers just real quickly. Plate appearances, excuse me, actually, at bats in his career over 2,600 at bats, 2,679. He's only walked 132 times in his career. That's wow. absurd. I mean, that's those are bad walk numbers. And so while the OPS for him is, is pretty good, he's doing it all with power, right? He's not uh, doing it by getting on base a whole lot. I, I want to ask you about that fourth tier just sort of quickly here uh, because Brandon Crawford's a guy who Giants fans hold real close to their hearts, and he's playing better than we've ever seen. Now, I don't know that, that this is sustainable beyond this season. He's a 34-year-old. We haven't seen this type of production as far as power is concerned to go with the the great glove that Crawford has. From a lot of guys, I think Barry Larkin is, is one of the only guys to put up huge numbers as a 34-year-old shortstop. It's a young man's game to play up the middle like that. So uh, he's having an outbreak season. He's a free agent this year. I can see the Giants trying to bring him back and trying to sign one of these other big guys. But what do you see from him? Is he more of a of a balanced player to you now? Did that help his case a whole lot as far as the tiered shortstops go? Do you have him above Marcus Simeon? Where does he class for you as a, a left-handed bat? Maybe a guy who could be a platoon player for somebody over the next couple of years. Yeah, we had him in the same tier as Simeon, but below Simeon, just because of the age primarily. I mean, you're signing him for his age 35 season next year. That's pretty old. <laughs> He's been really, really good these last two seasons off defensively especially and so I think he's a guy who you can rely on like he 
to me, he's like perfect for like that contending team on like a, a lucrative two-year deal that has like a shortstop prospect that's like legit, but not quite close. Maybe something like that. But like, I think there's an argument that the value of him or, or Simeon on like a shorter term deal might be better than one of these bigger guys, right? Because you can go spend that money on someone else and have two good players instead of just one. Right, right. Uh, you're probably right. I think if you can you can plug him with somebody, that's kind of where the Giants are, waiting for Luciano to get here. But if you can make a splash this offseason, that would be a big one, man, to bring in a, a, one of these top-tier guys, a Corey Seager especially. Hey, I appreciate the time today, Jake. Thanks so much for stopping by. We'll keep reading the uh, the tiers you guys are putting out. And when the Astros come back to town, we'll get you on to talk some A's Astros again, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, sounds good. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Great stuff from Jake Kaplan. Make sure you cover him and follow him all season long. Covering the Astros here for The Athletic, doing a great job. And again, the Astros, that big win over the A's on Thursday last week, vaulted them into first place before their weekend series this weekend. And some shortstops to keep an eye on. Frankie Lindor signed that big deal and has not played well for the Mets. Trevor Story, Javi Baez we talked about there. Is it Corey Seager? That's the guy I've got my eye on for the Giants. However, he's banged up right now and has not been in the Dodgers lineup. Thank you to Jake. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening today. We love bringing you the best stories in Bay Area sports. Stick with us. The NBA playoffs are underway. We've got hoops to talk about as well as more baseball to discuss as the weeks pour on into the summer months as baseball hits the dog days of summer. Everybody enjoy the week. We'll talk to you Wednesday.